0: Hello, everybody. Hey, this is John Finn, Church Without Walls International. Let me uh, adjust this camera a little bit. John Finn, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I dot O-R-G. And you can go there to our website sign up for my weekly thoughts, which is a weekly teaching that comes out every Friday. Uh, you can sign up for our next Zoom web meeting, uh, which will be September 25th of 2020. Uh, you can find out information about our conference in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, a suburb of Tulsa, October 8th through 11th. Uh their videos, articles, all sorts of stuff. Cwowi.org. We're a worldwide house church network. We're all about discipleship. Discipleship is the lifelong process of implementing the teachings of Jesus and our walk with the Lord into our own lives. And so that's why I do these. Now, <clears throat> today asking the question: Are you guilty of emotional reasoning? Now, the reason I ask that is because emotional reasoning is rampant throughout uh, culture today. And let me define that for you. Let me show you some examples in Scripture and then give you some tips uh, on, on <laughs> pulling back from emotional reasoning. Now, what is emotional reasoning? Emotional reasoning, reasoning is a process in w- w- that distorts reality. It is a process that says what I feel is more real than the evidence that I have before me. Now, for instance, you see this among Christians. I don't feel saved, therefore I'm not saved. Now, a person who would say that would say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I've seen answered prayer in my life, but I don't feel like I'm saved. Therefore, I must not be saved. That's emotional reasoning. It, 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 it distorts reality. It, it, the emotions uh, take precedent over the empir- empirical facts, the, the, uh, um, the, uh, the, the evidence, that would be the word, thank you, uh, the evidence uh, in other words, the emotions override any evidence of it. I, I don't feel saved, therefore I'm not. I don't feel God as close to me uh, as I used to, therefore he must have moved away. Now, Scripture would say that Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 1 John 2.27 says, the anointing which you've received of him is a truth and is lie. It always is not a lie and it always stays with you etc., etc., you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Anybody who's concerned about their salvation, and yes, they acknowledge they still love the Lord, they still pray, they worship, etc., etc., they just don't feel close to God, therefore they must not be saved, or therefore he must have moved away, or they've done something wrong. That's emotional reasoning. The evidence says that nothing has changed but the person is guilty of not taking charge of their emotions and their thought processes. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says, we are to take captive our thoughts to the obedience of Christ. The word captive there is literally the word spear or spear point. It means to to take your thoughts at the point of a spear captive to obedience to Christ. Now that involves work. That involves effort. Let me give you an example too. In... uh, uh, it, you see this in, in social media all the time. You'll have uh, two candidates, you know, one of which supports, whose party supports largely biblical-based uh, uh, platform beliefs, okay? Uh, and then you have another party that does, that is exact opposite of biblical beliefs. But because a person hates one candidate, because they offend, because they appear to be uh, you know, offensive and and childlike and, and just totally ridiculous for uh, the office to which they aspire, which they are in. Uh, the person gets emotionally offended and stirred up by it. And so they say they can't vote for that person because emotionally they are so turned off, so offended by them. And yet the evidence of that party is biblical or perhaps not biblical, whichever stand, whichever side of the fence you want to go on. But the emotions are such that override the empirical evidence, the, the facts of it. So you see emotional uh, things going off all the time. Emotional reasoning makes things personal. They attack personally. Used to be back when I was a kid in, in high school and you'd have debate club. You could debate it taught taught people how to debate the idea and the concept without taking things personal. But emotional reasoning tends to take things personal. Emotional reasoning, reasoning tends to edit out circumstances of life. For instance, again, uh, perhaps a person would say, I feel fat, therefore I am fat. Now, the, the scale on in the morning may not say may say that you're not fat. Your friends will say, oh, you're not fat. Oh, maybe you could use a, lose a couple pounds here and there, but who can't at our age? You know, something like that. But you'll take that, you'll take that, oh, you can lose maybe five pounds, you know, a couple kilos, no problem to lose. But who, you know, we're, hey, look how old we are. We, everybody's gained a little bit. And that person will edit out everything else. They'll edit out the scale, the, the other evidence. They'll edit all that out to grasp that one person who said, oh, maybe a couple pounds, maybe maybe five pounds, and, and they, they will build a whole reality around the emotions of, oh, therefore, my friend thinks I'm fat. Therefore, I must do something. And, and so the, the, the emotional reasoning takes precedent over, over logic, over the evidence that's provided. It's a distortion of reality. One of the contributing factors is stress, believe it or not. Um, So uh, when a person says, I don't feel saved, therefore I must not be saved, it makes me wonder what kind of stress, what have they experienced in their life that their emotions would override what Scripture clearly says. If you believe in the Lord Jesus... Uh, you'll be saved, and they are still walking with God. They're still worshiping. They're still praying, and everything else, but they don't feel it. So, w- what stress? What factors in their life have been going on that they would let their emotions and their thoughts run run rampant instead of taking them captive at the point of a spear to obedience of Christ to the knowledge of the Word? Uh, so, anyway, um, uh, to, 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 you know, another thing is anger. A person will say, "I'm furious with you." Therefore, you must have done something wrong. <laughs> to offend me, you know, a person will be angry and they don't know why. So they look for evidence. They look for, for a feeling for that, even though when there's no evidence there. Uh, let me give you an example real quick of scripture. In uh, John, the end of John chapter 5 and beginning of John chapter 6, Jesus had fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Then it's, uh, he set the disciples off in a boat to go to the other side while Jesus went in the mountain to pray. And then later, in the middle of the night, Jesus went walking on the water across to the boat. And then John 6.21 says when Jesus got in the boat, immediately they were at the land where they were going. John 6.21 is the first indicator of what we might call transporting a whole boat and crew with the disciples to the other side. Because when Jesus was walking to the other side of the water, it tells us they were only about halfway across but when he, John 6, says, when Jesus got into the boat, immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So, boom, he zapped him two or three miles, you know, six kilometers, whatever, uh, approximate distance. So, in the morning, the people who'd walked around the end of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, they'd walked around the end of the lake, and they said, Master, how did you get here? Well, he's not about to tell them that he walked on the water. And so... Uh, he, he tells them right away, he says, you're seeking me not because of any miracles or not because of anything that I've said, but just because I fed you last night. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children uh, the night before. And, and so he tells them, he said, you're not following me for any other reason than I fed you. You're, you're getting your bellies filled. So he immediately launches into difficult parables and to separate the true believers and their motives. And and so he knows it's difficult. And he says things like, I'm the true bread in the wilderness. I'm the true manna. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood to receive eternal life. Well, by the time you get to the end of John chapter 6, it says many of his disciples are saying, uh, you know, this is too hard. Uh, I, we don't understand this from verses 60 through 68. They're going like, who can understand this parable? And it says many disciples left. You see, because emotionally they were turned off. The, the, the Lord that they had held so esteem, so high in esteem would suggest cannibalism. It was like, oh, they were just appalled at that. And, and rather than stay with the logic and think through everything that he had said, his history of ministry, everything that they uh, had, had, had done and seen and heard from him, they take one little thing and it so turns them off that it says many of the disciples left. And so Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, are you too going to leave? And Peter said this, he said, he said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, what Peter did was use proper reasoning. In other words, he was just as as confused and just as befuddled and just as turned off by Jesus's parable uh, of, of eating my flesh, drinking my blood, that he's the true manna. Uh, as As everybody else, but he instead of reacting emotionally with emotional reasoning, he he reasoned logically and he looked at the whole track record. Of the Lord, and then he said he boiled it down to the essential point: you have the words of eternal life. And there's another example in Acts 17:5 where people are, are 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 against Paul, and it said that certain unbelieving Jews who did not like Paul went down to the agora, went down to the marketplace, and they gathered up people. and I love the King James in, in John 17:5. It says, "Lewd fellows of the baser sort," and what that means is if you look at it in the in the Greek. It uses the word poneros, P-E-N-O-E-R-O-S, which means evil people who are there because they've been hurt. In other words, the, it's a pain and a toil. Uh, in other words, they looked for people who, who could easily be stirred up, who were in pain and turmoil. Maybe they were unemployed. Why were they hanging out of the marketplace? Why do they have the free time to be able to riot? You know, we don't know. But people went and got to the marketplace and and got a bunch of people and stirred them up, and then they came against Paul. You see, that was emotional reasoning. Very easy to manipulate people emotionally when they are used to emotional reasoning instead of logic and, and other reasoning. So the point is this. Now that you know what it is, you can identify it uh, in your own life, in social media, in that of your friends. What would you say to your friend who is, is reasoning beyond, you know, using emotional reasoning? They don't feel like this, therefore it is. that They distort reality, but what they feel Uh, rather than what they can think through logically. Think about that, about how you can bring that person back to using logic and reason. Because again, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against unseen forces. And that we have to personally, on a daily basis, take every thought captive that would rise up against the knowledge of Christ. See, there's that basis of the knowledge of Christ. And we have to bring it captive at spear point into the obedience of Christ. And there's a whole lot of people who don't want to do that discipline, who don't want to exercise and catch themselves in that. They think, "I maybe, maybe the anointing has left me because I don't feel it. Other people stole it from me. Uh, I did something in my life to cancel the anointing. God has get, taken his gifts away from me. They, they feel like that. And even though chapter and verse says that's not possible, that God doesn't do that, And and instead of looking at the evidence in Scripture and the reality of God in their life over the course of of years and maybe decades, uh, they let their emotions run with it. So our job in part of the discipleship process is learning how to take our thoughts and our emotions captive to the obedience of Christ, and we balance them out, and we make those emotions and those thoughts captive to right thinking. All right. Hope that's been a good lesson for you on emotional reasoning versus logical reasoning. And there is that balance to it. I hope it's been a blessing to you. God bless.